Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. The tennis world is down under for the first major of 2023. And heading into day seven, there's a collection of superstars and new talent all looking to make history. Novak Djokovic took another step towards his 10th Aussie Open title. While Andy Murray flashed his magic again, but eventually ran out of tricks. Plus, all these Americans are taking the court in Melbourne this evening with a spot in the quarterfinals on the line. And with Caroline Garcia advancing into week two, we go behind the scenes with her in our new segment, Access Granted. All those stories and much more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. We are down to 16 men and 16 women in Melbourne, the fourth volume of this major masterpiece. And the draws are filled with old classics as well as a modern renaissance. We've reached the weekend on TC Live, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action. Featured matches in Melbourne Park today, beginning with the last two major champs on the women's side, Iga Sviantek and Elena Rybakina on Rod Laver. Coco Goff on Margaret Court, and it's Seb Korda and Hubie Hercotch on Laver. And in the evening on John Kane, Jesse Pagula takes on Barbora Krejcikova. Well, Korda coming off that big win against Daniil Medvedev, getting ready to face Hercotch. Said they practice together quite a bit, but when they do, Hubie actually wins the tournament. We'll see about that. As for Coco Goff, won her doubles match yesterday with Jesse Pagula. It's back to the singles court today to face Yelena Ostapenko. We love that activization, right? That's what it is, Prakash. She's activating the muscles she's, there. she's activating the muscles. I saw a little yawn there. I did. You ready? She's winning so easily. Yes. <laughs> just like, just like uh, come just, on. Just getting involved. John, Lindsay, Steve, Prakash with you here on TC Live. Two hours till first ball today. Quarterfinal spots on the line, Lindsay. We have reached the weekend. Exciting stuff. What stood out to you yesterday? Well, we got 32 singles players left. We have four American men left and two American women. For so many years, it was the opposite, where we had more women from the U.S. than men left in the tournament. But our two women, gosh, they've got great chances. Number three seed, Jesse Pagula and Coco Goff seeded seven. Both of these ladies have a real opportunity to win this tournament, but it starts today. you got to get to that final eight. Four men left, you say, and yet two of them are not the two highest seeds. Francis TFO and Taylor Fritz both lost. Four left. I want to talk about one of them real quick, which is Ben Shelton. A month ago, nice story. Hey, he's going to play in the main draw of the Australian Open. A week ago, he's got a big match. He wins that in five sets in his next matches. They've gotten progressively easier. He is now in the fourth round, won in straight sets yesterday. There is no top 20 player left in his quarter of the draw either. Big opportunity for Ben Shelton. Uh, Prakash, how about you? Well, all these amazing storylines here, one of the more exciting Grand Slams I think we've had in, in some time. But for me, it's little Serbian player, 35 <laughs> years old, acting like he's 25 what out there. talking about? Won this thing a few times. Novak looked, looked pretty good yesterday, especially for someone who's not practicing on those off days. 
uh, uh, with that hamstring injury. I just love the way he's managing everything. Even in Turin last year, he looked in pretty bad shape in some of those matches. Still went through undefeated. Still looking like the favorite here, but things are about to start getting tougher. I think he'll get through Deminar, but Volgaruna could be, could be lying in the wake in that next round. Djokovic going for his 22nd major singles title. Serena Williams finishing with 23, and her evolution away from tennis has now gone to playing some golf, John. She's, she's hit the golf course, uh, oh, posting a, a clip on Instagram, Super Bowl commercial. What's this about? Well, uh, Caddyshack knockoff, again doing the Michelob Ultra Super Bowl ad. I just want to know, if we kill all the golfers, they're going to lock us up and throw away that old line. Uh, but no, this looks like another fun Super Bowl ad from Serena Williams. Retired? Kind of retired, pivoting in retirement. We'll see her in the Super Bowl. Second Sunday in February. I, I know Serena's a gifted athlete. Look, I, I've seen her do a lot of different like things. That? She's a supreme a dancer as well, but pretty good form. I mean, look at that follow-through there. I, Ted Knight likes it. Do you remember she the photo shoot when she was doing the rings for gymnastics? Yes. yes. Oh, oh, my right. God. Yes. Right, right, right. That was unbelievable. I, she'll figure out how to play golf very quickly. <laughs> uh, Ash Barty uh, on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, you you want to put a force yeah. in the get Marty Fish, and then how about Casper Ruud? Also, get I'm those scratch, four scratch golfer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a little vote in there for I saw some pretty good acting skills from Serena in mm. that commercial. She did a little cameo in Knives Out, the sequel. I'd like to see a little bit more from that. No, they're cool. yeah. you know, uh, pretty good. That was a good cameo right. knives out. That was a good cameo. Be the ball, Prakash. Be the ball. <laughs> Looking forward to that commercial Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Chanda Rubin will be joining us on TC Live today. Martina Navratilova will also be coming up after the break. And how about this? Could the Americans continue making that magic in Melbourne? All the highlights from them. Caroline Garcia taking us behind the scenes of her training. You don't want to miss our Bet365 match preview either today. But when we return, top stories down under. Why Novak Djokovic is the new Jay-Z. Plus, Serena Sabalenka, Andy Murray, and Katie Volinets, the pride of Walnut Creek. But when we come back, the GOAT is in the house. I noticed one pupper behind her. Martina Navratilova going to join us to break down all the highlights. Keep it here. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. Welcome back. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow to get you ready for tennis over on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. Eastern. And as always, Tennis Channel's encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anico at 7 a.m. Eastern. Steve, Lindsay, John back at the desk. It is time to bring in the Hall of Famer, Martina Navratilova. Uh, Marty, you, you got you to tell us about that painting behind you. Oh, right. Yeah. So this is part of the, our Grand Slam uh, series of paintings that I did with a friend, uh, artist. Uh, and we actually did this one, Eurocarlic is his name. And we did this painting in Australia about mm, 10, 12 years ago. So I thought it was apt to put it behind me, you know, along with the dogs. <laughs> I, like, I like how your studio, your home studio is evolving, Martina. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's fantastic. Beautiful artwork as well. Uh, we got to get to the highlights from Thank yesterday. You. Everybody talking about Andy Murray and what he had to go through to get to this round. Two five-set matches, more than 10 hours on court, Martina. And coming off a match that ended at 4 in the morning, what would he have left for Roberto Bautista Agut? Yeah, he had a lot of heart, a lot of guts, but just not enough, not enough gas in those legs. And Batista Agut is a really nightmare opponent when you're not 100% as he moves so well, doesn't give you anything. And he lost that first step pretty quickly, but he comes back in the second, saves off at set point here. 
and he just keeps fighting, keeps fighting, using all the guile that he's got. Uh, gets the crowd going as well, just trying to get any kind of up that he can. And uh, gets the set here, I believe. Where's the tiebreak? Again, gets the crowd into it, and he's hanging in there with everything he's got, but not enough. RBA, just a clean match. Andy Murray, 54 on four stairs, over 49 minutes. He was trying to go for it, but missed too much. RBA moving him from side to side, not letting him get settled. And it was just all too much for Andy as he comes in here. It's a deep volley, but there was RBA hitting that lob. Clever veteran play from, uh, from Batista Agut. And uh, there was kind of no love lost here with this uh, handshake. But uh, anyway, just too much firepower from Batista Agut, too much steadiness as well. Let's hear from Murray after. I gave everything that I had to this event. Um, so I'm proud of that, and that is really in whatever you're doing. That's all you can do. You can't always control, like you can't always control the outcome. You can't control how well you're going to play, or you know the result. Um, but you know you can control um, the, the the effort that you put into it. And I gave everything that I had the last the last three matches. So I'm very, you know, I'm very proud of, of that. I know about you, Lindsay, but seeing Andy fight out there just, like, gives me life. I mean, it was so fun to watch. Did not come out yeah. in the end, but where he was four years ago, playing the same opponent on the same court, thinking it was all over, to now, what do you think about him, you know, winning some more titles, potentially not Grand Slams, but in general? Yeah, I mean, who knows what the future has in store for him. I mean, what a heroic tournament it was for him, but what we feared would happen kind of happened in the beginning, that it would just be too much tennis on his body going into this match. His movement was hampered. He looked a little bit stiff. He had this great quote, though, or excuse me, tweet, when he said, yes. I ran into the doctor who told me, what was it, five years ago? I would never, Yeah, I would never play again. I, my hip would be okay, but I'd never be able to play pro tennis. I love that. I mean, he has defied all the experts. It is so tough physically to come back, but you can never underestimate him mentally and emotionally, and he showed us here in Melbourne. Cannot underestimate the heart of a champion. He said, I think we dispelled that myth yeah. this week. <laughs> Great that he saw that, Dr. Martina. But the fact that he had to finish so late after his second-round match, I really put him in a big disadvantage. I, I tweeted about that. For anybody, this is a massive disadvantage, finishing at 4 o'clock. Maybe you get to go to sleep at 8 o'clock. Anybody would have struggled after that, and particularly Andy playing two five-set matches. I think there's an easy fix to that. Only play one night match in these majors because those are the only times we play this late under the roof. There's no reason to be finishing this late. Just one one singles and then mixed or doubles. Uh, there's got to be a rule. Maybe, or conversely, whatever you start after midnight, that's the last set you play. And then you go home and you finish the next day. Because, again, this situation only happens in the majors and you have the day off. The players would much rather do that then finish at four and be win the match and be done for the rest of the tournament. You cannot recover from that. You just can't. Kind of hijacked the we first week of the tournament. I mean, this was a great, uh, great, great showing by Andy Murray. And I think the question, it's obviously, it's personal, it's his choice. Is this enough? I mean, if you said to him, look, you're, you're probably not going to win an additional major, but you'll come out, you'll win the crowd over, you'll win some five-set matches, you'll test your body, you'll really, you'll win over fans worldwide. Is that enough to sustain him it seems to be. I think he leaves with his head high. A bit disappointing, though, between the time spent on court, 35 years old, the, yeah. the metallic hip, the sleep. 
it had to run out of steam, and it happened against the worst possible opponent. He says he wants 50 titles. He's got 46. I, I feel like what he showed in the first week. Yeah, You've got to give yourself goals. Yeah. So that is an that's attainable reasonable. goal. Two out of three sets, yep. much different than these majors. And those won't go till four in the morning either. Yeah. Although exactly. in D.C., <laughs> it was like two or three in the morning a couple of years ago. Uh, all right, let's get to some women's highlights. Lindsay, fourth-ranked Caroline Garcia, the only top 16 seed left in her quarter of the draw. Laura Siegman has fallen out of the top 150, but an upset was brewing. Yeah, Laura Siegman doing Laura Siegman things out here. Just frustrating Garcia to no end. Using all her off-speed shots in that first set. And then in the second set, though, I mean, Garcia's fight and her mental toughness has improved more than anything these last few years. And she really locked in when she wasn't playing her best tennis. Gave herself an opportunity to get in to this match. And shot selection started to pick up a little bit. Started to get more returns in play. And the serve. The serve has been such a huge part of her weapon arsenal. She was getting free points on that. Started dictating play and everything changed. But this was a fight and she really showed everyone in that locker room she is up to the task here in Melbourne. Garcia able to come through in three sets. We've got a piece coming up later on TC Live going all access behind the scenes with the French number one fly with Caro into the round of 16. John Belinda Bencic has been flying under the radar, you could say, coming off her seventh career title back in the top 10, but facing the always dangerous Camilla Georgie. Yeah, are we talking Man. about Bencic enough? No. Uh, she <laughs> has not dropped a set yes, yes, yesterday against Georgie. She just sort of did what you do. Let her hit a lot of balls. Let Georgie make some mistakes. She's going to hit with incredible power. And she's also going to have some wild misses. And that's essentially what happened. Uh, Bencic doesn't hit the biggest ball. One thing she does do is handle pace very well. There's a nice shot by Bencic. Never been beyond the fourth round of a major outside of the U.S. Open. But she's got a real chance. She has Sabalenka next. And if you're going to prepare for Sabalenka, not a bad uh, prep match in Georgia. A lot of pace, not a lot of gears. New coach for Bencic, and she looks very good through three rounds. Belinda Bencic has won seven matches in a row back in the fourth round for the first time since 2016. You speak of Arena Sabalenka, also streaking Martina, undefeated this year, playing her former doubles partner, Elisa Mertens. They actually won the Aussie Open title together two years ago. Well, and that doubles has definitely helped Sabalenka. She used to treat the net as, a, as an allergy, but now she's been much more aggressive, improved her game at the net, was going for the big shots. She was at the net 19 times, winning 16 points, only faced three break points. Uh, Mertens, on the other hand, playing too careful. When you face somebody that's that big a hitter, you gotta take some chances, and she didn't. Mertens at 12 on four stairs, but loses the match 6-2-6-3. But all, all kudos to Sabalenka, as she just has not been bothered by anybody. Going for those big down-the-line shots early in the rally, serving big, and just not letting Mertens get into the into play. But again, Mertens was just a little too careful, and you cannot be careful against a big hitter like Sabalenka at the end, a comfortable 6-2-6-3 win for her. She's dialed in. 32 winners. She's now won six straight against Mertens, 7-0 on the season for Arena Sabalenka. So taking a look at the round of 16, Lindsay, what do, what do you like here? 
Uh, this is a great opportunity for any of these eight players. We have a whole mix of players. We've got veterans. We've got newcomers. But that match between Sabalenka and Benchic, what a match that'll be. And we talk about this a lot at the beginning of the year. Andy Roddick said the eyeball test when you get to Australia. Those are two players, Sabalenka and Benchic, that look like they put in an awful lot of work in the offseason. It is no surprise that they are playing so well. One thing I've loved hearing from Sabalenka is her willingness to make changes. Last year it was to the serve and overcoming that mental hurdle, but changing her technique. But how about now at this tournament saying how she's trying to just stay calm and she's not letting out the big roar. She's not getting too excited. She's not getting too down on herself. She's staying even keel. And look at, she's now playing her, some of her best tennis. I love a top player who's not so stubborn. They're not willing to make changes. Can we just discuss that a year ago she was serving underhand through tears because she was so upset by how her serve had degenerated? We've seen athletes in other sports who have had mental blocks, and literally it has cost them their career. I mean, they haven't been able to yeah. continue. She had seven double faults in her first three matches. That puts her in the bottom half of players left in the draw. I don't know how she cleaned this up. I don't know what sort of psychotherapy she went through, but it's worked, and now she's a contender. A lot of it. She said she's been practicing that serve in the offseason season. Hundreds and hundreds of hours. Martina Bencic, Sabalenka, both come in riding seven match win streaks. How do you see this one playing out? Mm. Something's got to give, and I have to go with Sabalenka. She's got the bigger weapons, bigger arsenal. Maybe not bigger arsenal, but more powerful arsenal, and that will pay off on these courts. It's playing fast enough. The balls are fluffy. She can still hit through the court. She's moving well, and again, playing outside of her comfort zone. She asked for help. She was willing to listen and make those changes. And now she's doing that transition game much better as well. I, I see her winning that match. That's a championship mindset yep. change right there yep. for Arena Sabalenka. Mm. One more match to get to from yesterday. How about Novak Djokovic? Has won 23 straight in Melbourne. Hasn't lost to Grigor Dimitrov Lindsay in 10 years. Yeah. But he does say he's, he's worried about the leg. Injury's not ideal. And it, he actually was down three set points to Dimitrov in this first set. Yeah, and it took him his fifth set point to win it. And Steve, right after making that volley, there was a long break for an injury timeout again. This is a player who is without one of his biggest weapons, his speed. And he is really managing himself well around the court. Demi, uh, Djokovic, he did not overplay in this match. Some balls he didn't run for. If he was set up, he really pulled the trigger. Able to get up two sets to love. And Dimitrov, for the most part, was trying to hit out and make Novak move. But Novak was able to start finding his rhythm. Ends up getting through this in straight sets. But still a lot of question marks for the former number one. He is not 100%. Is he going to get better? Will it be enough? We'll find out in the second week. Like Prakash said, not practicing on the off days either, but still into the fourth round of the major. Forget this. The 59th time and 15th time here in Australia. So he's channeling his inner Jay-Z. 35 is the new 25. I believe it. I mean, I'll take that all day. Uh, so this is what we show you all-time when Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, when, when all these guys play. The all-time major title leaders on the men's side, Djokovic looking to tie Rafa for the most at 22 if he wins, Martina. Well, he's looking good. and He's made those adjustments to the fact that he can't move the way he normally can. Uh, we'll see if it's going to be good enough. I don't know. The fact that he asked for another injury timeout, not playing at all the days in between, he's he's really protecting that uh, that quad uh, and or hamstring, and uh, we'll see. Uh, it's going to get tougher, and it's going to be hard for a 35-year-old body to not deteriorate because of all that stress.
We often talk about how there's a, a two major twist uh, in, in the offing. I mean, that's obviously not the case with Nadal and Federer not here. So worst thing, you know, status quo for Djokovic, but a big opportunity to tie Rafa with 22. I'm curious about the injury. And we've seen some players who are visibly injured, and they basically say, I don't want to talk about it. Hmm. Djokovic has been very open. His post-match press conferences are basically hmm. just medical updates. W what do you think about his decision clearly to, to lean into this injury and discuss it? And also, by the way, on court, some of his, his facial expressions yeah. and calling the trainer. And a lot of times, I haven't seen that players will fight through some injuries. He's definitely, as you said, leaning into it. Interesting. I, I don't know if it's just gotten older, no need to fight it anymore. Or I, He was a heavy favorite going in. I'm not sure he's as heavy as a favorite. I mean, he's won here so many times, but he's not 100%. He certainly has been playing physically at more like, I'm going to say closer to 50 or 60%. Can it get better? I, I, I don't know, but... Um, you think he's vulnerable? I do. Right. I do. And I didn't think that a week ago. Still a favorite, though. Yeah. Still a favorite. Which, I mean, what a feat that would be. Yeah. 35 years old. Not 100%. Yeah. And could still yeah. <laughs> be the favorite. That's favorite. Yeah, still exactly. Martina's favorite. That, that's incredible. Uh, coming up next, how about this All-American matchup? Jensen Brooksby and Tommy Paul looking to get one step closer to their first major quarterfinal. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. Here comes Hubie Hercotch getting ready to play Sebastian Corda in the fourth round. Coming off a couple of five setters against Sanego and Shapovalov. What does he have in the tank? The first player that's walked down this tunnel without being on their phone. Yes. Possible? Or headphones. <laughs> yeah, right. He's engaged. I love it. I love it. Martina battled the Czechs yesterday. 17-year-old Linda Fruvertova playing in just her second Grand Slam, taking on Marketa Vondrosova. Yeah, I picked Vondrosheva to win because, you know what, I did not know enough about Rupertova. I've seen her play, but after watching the special that we did on the two sisters, yeah, Brenda and, and Linda, they are wanted. They have so much desire to be champions. You cannot underestimate that quality. And uh, and, and, and Linda just had too much for Vondrosheva. Comes back in the second set, the veteran check is not quite done yet. And it was a tight match overall. Wondrosheva, 6 of 13 on break points, but only winning 30% of the points on her second serve. As Fubertova was, was pretty much dominating the return games. Only missed two returns the whole match. Solid, solid match, but I tell you, this is a player. She, she wants it badly, and uh, when you want it that badly, that overcomes any kind of nerves, I think. Big time stuff for her. What a moment for the 17-year-old. Back to the men. We got a 19-year-old. Holgaruna has cruised through his first two matches, John. Take it on Ugo Umbert with the perfect Runa continue. Yeah, speaking of uh, teenagers who want it badly, this is our ninth seed here. And boy, he has looked terrific. Holgaruna lost his feet. He won 15 of the last 16 matches to close out the year. A little bit of a, uh, a slip here in the middle of this match. Uh, fortunately, he would be okay, and he would continue on because he has not dropped a set. Lost his first match of the year, and since coming to this tournament, he has really been 
terrific. He is a slick mover. He's added some wattage to his serve. He had no problems yesterday. Surely, like many of us, he sees Novak Djokovic lurking and wonders if he can take advantage of uh, some of the movement. But Rune, born within two weeks of Carlos Alcaraz, surely he saw that uh, the other 19-year-old beat him and won the first major. But boy, at this major, he has been the story. Uh, very nice win. Nine sets played. Nine sets won. And onward, Holger goes. Said after my ankle is good. My wrist was hurting a bit, but the doctor said it was fine. Okay. Listen to the doctor. Jensen Brooksby, Lindsay, coming off a huge win against Casper Rude. Would he get a rude awakening in the form of Tommy Paul? Yeah, and Jensen Brooksby was one player whose, unfortunately, wrist was not okay. Mm -hmm. Really struggling with his left wrist in that match with Tommy Paul. It's a shame when you have such a great tournament and then something happens with your body. It's, it was a little bit tough to watch Brooksby out there against Tommy Paul. At one point in the third, he was breaking down and in tears a little bit. And Tommy Paul just continues his great play. It's been a special tournament for him so far. For Tommy Paul. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about this before. On the one hand, you say it's great that the Americans have this level of camaraderie and they all get along and they have people to go out to dinner with, but also it pushes you. I mean, Tommy Paul is not oblivious to the results we talk about all the time. He knows that Taylor Fritz won Indian Wells, and he knows that his contemporaries are making their moves. He'll be seated at the next major. He's really such a solid, athletic player. I mean, there's nothing not to like about Tommy Paul's game, and he advances. He was one of those last four Americans to beat Rafa Nadal as well. And in this one, early on, you could just tell uh, Brooksby was not 100% Lindsay, and Tommy was. Yeah, and you could tell right off the bat with Brooksby, he was trying to drive his backhand with two hands, but every time he went to the two hands, wasn't getting a lot of pace on it and it's really one of the best shots in men's tennis when he's able to step in and rip he started then going to a lot of one-handed slices obviously not the natural game for him and what did tommy paul do just dialed it in just started playing to the corners keeping brooksby out of the middle of the court he made a lot of returns and you know he's a veteran out there and he was playing great tennis he's very confident it was really a shame though when you have such a big win and you're ready to make a move and something happens physically it is tough to handle brooksby fought till the very end tough when you don't have your best shot though uh, it's super difficult, and uh, still a nice run for Jensen Brooksby. He's going to be Davis Cup teammates with Tommy Paul in February. But TP, 36 winners, just 19 unforced errors, won 17 of 21 points at the net. It's a good Martinez stat right there for Tommy Paul. Saved all four break points. Going to make his week two debut down under. Got to love that as we take a look at the round of 16. And this draw is shaping up nicely for Team USA on the bottom half. I mean, you got three opportunities to make a semifinal. Yeah, it's just remarkable. And who had this, right? And you do the draw before the tournament. Two collegiate players are going to face off in the round of 16. It's really remarkable. Now let's see what Demonauer can do to Novak. Can he keep him out there long enough and keep him moving to really challenge that hamstring? Mm -hmm. Which of those uh, three Americans do you think has the best chance to get there? I think Shelton is such a wild card at this point. Temperamentally, he's a wild card. The lefty game makes him a wild card. Keep an eye on him. And again, I mean, if you had these three Americans clustered together and then RBA, Roberto Batista Cruz, is the only seed separating that. 34 years old, a nice, solid player, but not a world beater. Really nice opportunity for the American men. And then on the top half, we've got Sebi Corda Martina taking on Hubie Hercotch today. How do you see this one playing out? Ah, well, you know, uh, Hercotch, big favorite. He's been there before, but uh, uh, Seb Corda has really come of age in this tournament. I feel that he's really kept it together. 
physically and emotionally has been tested but came through. So I, I, this is a really toss-up for me, but Gurkash just maybe slightly bigger weapons. If they work, then I think he's got the edge. But this could go the distance. This is a five-setter in the making, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, you're always curious. I mean, we keep talking about it. How does a player back up their biggest win? There will be bigger wins for Seb Quarter coming up in the future. But that was a big one and a huge step forward for him the other night in taking out Medvedev. Can he keep up that great play? He's looked different this year. We've talked about it. There's been a lot of pressure on him the last few years. The next great American hope. All of a sudden, he's walking the walk. He's playing so well. Comes back beautifully after having match point against Novak in the final, didn't win, and has followed it up beautifully here. I think Sebi's so confident that he's able to get through. Okay. Played uh, in Delray Beach two years ago. Hercotch took that, but like you mentioned, totally different quarter is here. Uh, we've got Yoshi Nishioka and Corinne Hatchinoff. This is a rematch from three years ago at the Aussie Open. The Russian took that one. When I see Hatchinoff play, I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses. Like, this should be a guy that's in the top ten. What do you see? Well, I mean, Nishioka is sort of a, a fun, a streakier player, uh, probably a, a slicker mover. They actually played in D.C. last year, and Nishioka won that one 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. This is a nice contrast in styles. It's a nice contrast in temperament. You know, I mean, Hatchinoff beat Francis and reached the semifinals of the previous major, the 2022 U.S. Open. But I think this sort of slick, clever, flashy uh, Japanese speedster, he's beaten Holger Rune already this year, hasn't dropped a set this year. You're picking I'm the picking upset. upset. Wow. Nishioka. Okay. Nishioka. Looking to become Go the lefties. fourth Japanese man <laughs> to reach the quarterfinals here. Yeah. What's that, Martina? Go lefties. Go lefties. <laughs> Go lefties. Go lefties. Yeah. Uh, Iga Sviantek, Elena Rybakina, yeah. the, the matchup of reigning Grand Slam champions. Rivalry dates back to juniors, Lindsay. Yeah. They, they posted this photo. And actually, so uh, Rybakina beat her in Italy. Iga said she was so stressed because it was being live streamed on the Internet. Uh, I, I feel like way a few more people are going to be watching this one. Yeah. Huh? It, it's, it's actually kind of fun when you grow up with someone in the international junior scene. All of a sudden, your guys are both on the pro tour. These two are such great players. The interesting thing is I think Shiantek's going to feel a little bit of pressure in her service games. She is one of the best returners, but she knows she can't play Rabakina every single time. So will she feel kind of that pressure when she goes up to hit second serves? Rabakina, we know how well she can play when she's hot. We saw it at Wimbledon last year. But I'm curious, Martina, do you think she has the consistency, Elena, to beat Iga? We have not seen it quite yet. I mean, she won Wimbledon, but you don't need to be that consistent to win on the grass. This, this court, uh, I think, favors both players. I think uh, Shiontek's serve can be a bit vulnerable. The second serve, much more attackable than vice versa for Shiontek to attack Rybakina. But once the ball is in play, then it's it's uh, Shiontek's advantage. So I still see Iga coming through in that one. I think she runs down too many balls, and then she also has been bringing a lot of firepower. So I think she'll be matching Rybakina for the most part, other than the serve. Hmm. I like this match so much, and I like this match on this surface under these conditions, and I also think these players don't exist in vacuums. And Iga Svantec knows that Rabakina is a really nice player whose ranking is deceptively low because she didn't get points for winning Wimbledon, who's already proven she can win seven matches at a major. And conversely, Rabakina knows this is a real opportunity, and she hasn't quite gotten her due for that Wimbledon title. Well, you know what? Beating the number one player... That yeah. would do a long way in boosting her profile. I could see Rybakina winning in three. I could see Iga winning love in two. Yeah. Like that, that's why I'm interested in this, because I want to know what's going to happen. So much depends on Rybakina's level. Yeah. She's got to come out playing A-level tennis right off the bat. 
More match previews coming up here on TC Live as the players are getting ready for round of 16 action. We also have John's stat of the day. What's that going to be today? Uh, American man. I'll leave it at that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to our two-hour pregame show leading you up to first ball. It is the weekend in Melbourne. Quarterfinals at stake. Big day. As we welcome you back into the studio, Steve Weissman with you. I pose this question. What do Nick Kyrgios, Paula Bedosa, Matteo Berrettini, Angebur, Taylor Fritz, Maria Sakri, Kasper Ruud, Isla Tomjanovic, and Tanasi Kokonakis all have in common? They were all profiled in the Netflix series Breakpoint. And they are also all out of the Australian Open. Only Felix Ojealiasim has survived the so-called Netflix curse. For more stories like that, make tennis.com your online information source throughout the Aussie Open and the entire 2023 season. Right now, Steve Tigner has your three to see on day seven of the tournament. And Matt Fitzgerald writes about a creative way Stefano Tsitsipas is signing autographs. It is now time for the Daily Forecast with Fox Weather. I'm Fox Weather's Jane Menard, and here's today's Australian Open forecast. We're looking at the weather in Melbourne, Australia. It'll be warm and slightly humid for our tennis pros with temperatures in the mid-70s. You can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks so much, Jane. Still to come, for former Aussie Open doubles champ Chana Rubin joins us from Melbourne. Plus, we tackle an on-court controversy. And today's Bet365 match preview has the line on Sitsipas and Sinner. But first, we let you fly like Caro into the world of the WGA Finals champion. It's All Access with Caroline Garcia next. Back on TC Live, and since June, Caroline Garcia has won 39 tour-level matches. That's at least 10 more than anyone else. So how did she move up 70 spots in the rankings last year, and what is next for the French superstar? Garcia gave us an all-access look at her life and goals. Hi, Kamali. Hi. Can we get access? Yeah. Hi. Finish channel. Access granted. My parents were playing tennis for friends, and uh, when I was a kid, they entered me in a few different sports, in tennis, in basketball, and some dance. And then, for some reason, I just stick with tennis because basket was no girls' teams. Then I hated it and I was pretty bad at it. It was really a step-by-step -step process for me. 2020, 2021 was some uh, rough year for me. The time I took off in April this year, uh, being injured, uh, really helped me to deal with a few different things. I realized I like to be on a test court to challenge myself and to make very clear in my head what kind of game style I want to play. I have a 45 minutes warm-up at the gym, then one hour and a half on court, 
then lunchtime, important, very important. And in the afternoon, 15 minutes warm-up, uh, one hour, 15, tennis, and 45 minutes at the gym, and then recovery with the physio, like stretching, massage, trying to deal with the little things coming up. <laughs> 23rd ace of the match. My serve can be very a good weapon, and then I try to take the ball very early and to move forward as much as I can. Just once again coming forward. I mean, this is what she's been doing. I think what is the most difficult is uh, you have to travel a lot. You have your home, but you're not going very often. You can't see your family and close friends as much as you want. To be able to take some time off for yourself is really important, even in competition or in practice time. I need to have some time for myself to regroup, to do what I like also outside. If you took someone to a French restaurant, what would you order for them? Ooh, that's a tricky question. There is so many great things to it. I'm from Lyon, so it's even different uh, style, but we have uh, andouillettes. It's not everyone eating it. <laughs> Outside of tennis, what are your favorite French athletes? It's a tough choice. There is so many. Mbappé, Griezmann, very, very big. I think a great inspiration. Martin Fourcade, who did biathlon. Tony Parker is a huge inspiration in France. I like Kevin Meyer as well in track and field. There is so many of them and I think we can get a lot of sharing experiences. I really like that moment and I feel very lucky to be able to do it. You know, I won a couple of 1,000 events, but the Masters is really a big, big tournament. We often say that it's the fifth tournament after a slam. You had to be the top eight player in the world. So it was very a big challenge. I was already super happy, super proud to be qualified for it. It was not the goal for that year at the beginning. Uh, we started very far. It was more a goal for next year. So I was already very happy to be there, and it was... It was a great challenge. I play better every day and uh, really played some very good matches in semi-final and final. Carolyn Garcia, champion of the 2022 WTA Finals. How important is it for you to win French Open one day? Yeah, it would be great. Tennis and Roland Garros is very important, very special in, in France, and I have a lot of fans over there. I started playing this tournament when I was 17, so it means a lot for me, and hopefully one day I will be able to achieve it. It's going to be a great challenge, especially with Iga playing so great on clay, but I hope I can do it. My dream and my goal from since I started tennis was always to win a Grand Slam. And I think with the last result at the semi-final US Open and winning the WTA final made it more concrete, like I have more confidence I can do it. And that's definitely my next challenges for this year, for next year, who knows, but that's what I'm working hard for it. Could not be nicer. Talked to her so many times at the WTA finals with Chanda Rubin. I mean, she, she embraced Fort Worth, put on the cowboy hat, cowboy boots. And you can see she got to four in the world, you know, back in 2018. And now she's back to four in the world. But when it comes to majors, of all the times she's played majors, uh, only two times has she made it past the round of 16. Why do you think this year could be different and, and this tournament? I think also just the maturity that she has. She has gone through a lot in her career. There was so much expectation put on her at a young age. I mean, she got all the way up to four in the world and then fell all the way out of the top 70. She's really fought her way back up there. A different appreciation maybe for now being a top player. But 
also, there's not a lot of players that play like her anymore. She is ultra-aggressive, a massively improved serve also. She gets free points off it. The attacking of the second serve, she puts so much pressure on her opponents. They're not really expecting that. I would love to see her mix it up a little bit, though. Sometimes she gets a little too stubborn so far inside the baseline, and it hurts her with not winning return points. When she's on and when she faces a weak serve, it's a great play. I would also love to see maybe just a little bit of variety of where she stands, especially against the bigger servers. Lindsay, you talk about the maturity. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Carolyn. Look, she's 29 years old. I think everyone at home sometimes doesn't realize that, you know, tennis players are shelf life largely in their 20s. That's when you're trying to figure stuff out and you can't handle a lot of stuff, whether it's fame and so forth. She's been very open about an eating disorder that she that she went to when she was going through her difficult times. She seems like she's in a really great place right now. I mean, you see how much she appreciates those big moments on court. She does the flying Carol celebration after. And I, I love the fact that she's living in the moment, really enjoying it. I think that's allowing her to play better tennis. And let's take a look at this draw. I mean, she's really favored. Biggest seed left in the bottom half, Magda Lynette. She could, she could make this final here, and the way she's playing... I mean, there's no reason why she can't take the whole thing. She lost in the first round last year in Australia to Haley Baptiste, nice young American player, but a player outside the top 100, and now Carolyn Garcia. It would be really surprising if she didn't reach that semi. And I wonder, I mean, it's just a bit, bit of a hot take, but, you know, this is a player, what is she known for? She got into the top five, and then she sort of fell out of the top 50. But it's very similar. She accumulated those points late in the year, and the fact that she's come on so strong to start the year. I mean, she, she knows what it takes to get to the top five, she knows how quickly it can go away. And I think the fact that she's coming off that hot fall when she really improved and is now getting it done in a major, I think is a really good sign. All started with that doubles title yeah. at Roland Garros yeah. last year, really propelled her, and now she's killing it on the singles court. When we come back, somebody else who was rocking the cowboy hat and boots in Fort Worth, Chanda Rubin joins us from Melbourne. Can't wait to talk to Chanda. the 2023 Australian Open. We have reached the weekend. Spots in the quarterfinals on the line. Featured matches in Melbourne Park today. Beginning with the last two major champions on the women's side. Iga Sviantek and Elena Rybakina on Rod Laver. Coco Goff is on Margaret Court. Then it's Seb Korda and Hubie Hercotch on Laver. In the evening on John Kane, Jesse Pagula takes on Barbora Krejcikova. Stephen Prakash back with you at the desk. And we are so happy to welcome in our colleague, former Australian Open doubles champion, <laughs> former world number six, Chanda Rubin. Chanda, we miss you. How are you? I'm great, but I am missing you guys as well. But, you know, somebody's got to be down here working. <laughs> That's right. Somebody's got to be grinding. Not, not that we're not. Two-hour shows every day, Chanda. Uh, <laughs> you got to get that VPN and tune in, you know. Uh, so you've been calling matches. I've been, I've been listening to you on the World Feed. A lot of big stories going on. Well, what's the biggest story in your opinion right now at the tournament? I mean, when I landed, you know, it, it felt like the stories just kept coming first was Nadal uh, being upset by Mackie McDonald. He was a little bit injured, but still it kind of sent shockwaves through the draw. And then you follow it up with Casper Ruud going out. And of course, young American um, Brooksby uh, doing that job. That was phenomenal. The crowd was huge and behind him. And, you know, for me, another big story was Seb Korda uh, getting past uh, Medvedev getting that upset. He played such clean tennis. It's sort of been a little under the radar because of those first couple of stories, uh, but he has looked terrific, and I think he has to start feeling like he may be a contender here.
Chanda, let's talk about some of the Americans who've been doing exceptionally well here. Let's start on the men's side. Um, one of the guys who hasn't been getting as much attention is J.J. Wolf. The guy has only given up one set to Jordan Thompson early on, took out Diego Schwartzman comfortably, and uh, seems to be keeping up the momentum. I know you called his last match. How's the kid looking? He looked terrific. And, you know, it wasn't easy for him to get into this match against a compatriot, a player that he'd beaten at lower-level events. But everything changes when you get to this stage at a major third round, trying to get to the round of 16 for the first time. He got down in that first set, Wolf did, and I was just impressed with how he was able to settle into that match. He's got a big game, and sometimes it's not easy to lasso the power and start finding your range under pressure in real time, but he was able to do that. The serve was huge. He moved well. Impressive stuff from Michael Moe getting to this stage as a lucky loser, uh, but J.J. Wolf, he would not be denied, and it was really a terrific performance. Let's, let's shift over to the women's side of things. Linda Fruvertova has been sensationally impressive, just 17 years of age, had to get through a tricky Vondrasova to get to this point, takes on Donna Vekic now. Can she, can she keep going? You know, I think she can. Fruvertova was so impressive in how, you know, she settled into that match you know, going down, losing a set, and still coming back against a more veteran player, a player in Vondrosova who has been to a major final. We've been talking about Linda Fruvertova, that she's coming, that she's going to be one of the next big stars in future years. And maybe she feels like her time is now. She certainly got a great opportunity. She goes up against Donna Vekic, who is a solid player from the ground, who understands how to, you know, create openings on the court. But I think Fruvertova, with the confidence that she's feeling now, she's got to like her chances in that match. It's a match where she will be able to get into a lot of points, a lot of rallies. If she has the confidence to pull the trigger, I think she gives herself a good shot. Here with our friend Chanda Rubin, former Australian Open doubles champion Chanda Rubin. And Chanda, back to the Americans on the women's side. There are two left, Jesse Pagula and Coco Goff. They're playing doubles together. They could face each other in the semifinals. Which one of these two do you think has the best chance to win it all? You know, it's hard to say, Steve. I hate picking favorites. I truly hope that they can both get to that semifinal match and then, you know, let the chips fall where they will. You know, golf has been impressive. It certainly feels like, you know, she's looking at this as her time. There's some openings in the draw. She's one of the top seeds. You know, she's rebounded beautifully to start 2023 with the title already. And she has battled. She's worked her way through some matches in a very mature fashion. Jesse Pagula on the other hand, has looked terrific as well. Just from the standpoint of sheer ball striking, she has been confident. You know, she hasn't let a lot phase her. Uh, the last round that she played in singles could have been a little bit tricky against the young upstart in Marta Kostyuk. And Jesse Pagula just handled her like a real veteran. She's serving well. She's hitting big from the ground. Round, and I think moving well, and that's been the real key. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they both should get through their matches today, and hopefully we will see that semifinal matchup. Chen, you, you touched on him earlier, Seb Korda. He's had an exceptional start to the year, almost took out Novak in a lead-up tournament here. But taking out Daniil Medvedev, one of the best hardcore players we've seen on the tour the last few years and a couple of finals in Australian Open the last couple of years as well, is, is this a match which now puts him into the contender category for the actual title as opposed to just making a deep run? 
You know, I think he would not want to get ahead of himself and certainly his team. He's been working some with Radek Stepanek. They've been having breakfast and real chill in the mornings. I think, you know, you want to quietly feel that way. Certainly beating Medvedev the way Korda did, that was so impressive. It was just a clean performance. And, you know, Medvedev, I feel, was one of those contenders, those top contenders having gotten to the final last year with Novak Djokovic and the hand hamstring uncertainties, you know, with Rafa Nadal going out. And for Korda to go through that match the way he did, he really opened a lot of eyes. He's hitting big. The serve has looked terrific. He's coming in. He's attacking. And it's comfortable. You know, he's not overplaying. So I think if he continues in that vein, he absolutely gives himself a pretty good shot in this draw. One of those four American men into the round of scene, uh, round of 16, most since back in 2004, Chanda. Before we let you go, give us two names, your picks, now that we're in the fourth round, a women's winner and a men's winner. <laughs> you didn't warn me about that, Steve. I mean, okay, so we got Pagula and Golf potentially meeting in the semis. I mean, it's, it's a toss-up. I'm kind of liking Pagula. I'm going to take some pressure off of Coco Golf. I'm okay. kind of going to go with a, a, the, the long shot in Pagula. I think she looks very good. Um, and for me, it's also Sabalinka. She's been a little under the radar. I'm going out of, on a limb here, but it has been tough to kind of figure out with players shifting positions. Um, on the men's side, I think you've still got to go with Djokovic. I think, you know, he's still that guy that understands how to win on these big stages. You look at the rest of the draw, players that haven't had that experience of winning major titles. He's a little hampered, Djokovic. How much will that affect his game going forward is the question, but I'm going to still go with him. I'm, I'm going to, you know, make okay. it easier. Okay. Novak and maybe Jesse. That's, that's <laughs> what we got out of that. Uh, Chanda, <laughs> th <laughs> thanks for waking up with us early there in Melbourne. We love you. Look forward to seeing you very soon back in studio. A reminder, Tennis Channel, your home for extensive Australian Open coverage. TC Live continues 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow with Encore coverage in the morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. More after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, welcome back. About an hour until we get underway on this Saturday in the U.S. Iga Sviantec getting mentally focused. Ten-match win streak in majors taking on Elena Rybakina later tonight. Can Iga keep it going when another major took two Grand Slams last year. Back to the highlights from yesterday. How about Katie Balinets coming off her first top 10 win. She qualified here, Lindsay, facing Zheng Shui. It, it was Zheng's 34th birthday. No one was spoiling her celebration. No, she was ready for this match. Experienced at 34 years of age and ranked 22 in the world. Just about seven years ago, she almost retired at this tournament. She got through qualifying, took out Simona Halep in the first round, and kept on playing this sport. And guess what? She gets through very comfortably. She was more aggressive. She was all over Bali Nets, who, what a fantastic start to the year for Katie. A lot to build on. Just way too solid of, of a performance from Zhang, and she looks 
very good going into the second week now. She's still playing singles, doubles, and mixed doubles, all three disciplines. For Katie Volleynuts, though, projected to crack, crack the top 100. Youngest qualifier to reach the third round since our own Lindsay. A lot of positives to take away from this experience. A couple of American men going at it in the third round. J.J. Wolf, Michael Mojohn meeting for the first time at the tour level. Uh, Wolf got him a couple times in challengers, though. Yeah, and you wonder if that wasn't part of this match. A lot of guns here, but, you know, we're talking about volume. I mean, Wolf did not qualify for this event last year, and he comes in here, and it's just been terrific. Took out a seed in Schwartzman and has been playing better with each successive round. Nothing particularly flashy, facial hair notwithstanding, <laughs> but just sort of mm -hmm. does what he has to do. Wolf is a good name for him, right? There's something sort of intense and yet uh, some vulpine about him, moves nicely. There's not a lot he doesn't do well. Only a year apart, uh, 24 versus 25-year-old Michael Moe, but this was all Wolf. Offense, defense, a lot of errors by Moe, who did not have his best day. But look at that nice little bit of shot-making. J.J. Wolf, what a performance, and uh, gets to easily two hours and three minutes, 36 winners, nice day at the office, and now into week two. Cracks the top 50 for the first time, J.J. Wolf, huge performance. And for Michael Moe, got engaged, biggest win of his career, highest ranking, successful trip for the American. Uh, most Americans tuning in for this one, Ben Shelton taking on Alexi Popperin. College tennis-like atmosphere here, Prakash. Well, listen, it doesn't matter if the crowd is for him or against him. He loves it. It was a hometown crowd trying to get Popeye through, as the Aussies call him, but Ben was just a bit too strong. We got to see a lot of different aspects from his game. The kids served unbelievably well. 12 aces, showing some nice serve and volley there, a little carving action. 84% points won on the first serve, 78% points won on the second serve. When he's taking care of his serve that well, He's going to be a tough customer. And that forehand, gosh, he was just able to unload on some very big points. One of my favorite aspects to his game, how well he moves. The uh, best way to describe it is he's almost an aggressive mover. Really gets after it. He's able to come up with big shots from the angles. I mean, that's about as good as it gets, right? Straight set win into the minus 16. Talking to Jim Courier after. You come from a, a family that has a big tennis background. I played tennis with both your dad and your uncle on tour. Was tennis always going to be the, the job for you? No, uh, for the first 12 or 13 years of my life, I swore that I would never play tennis. Um, that was my dad's thing and I was gonna let him have it, but yeah, I kind of fell in love with the sport and uh, here we are, so hopefully I can make a career out of it. Oh, I think that's gonna happen. That's already happened. <laughs> ben Shelton is a problem, uh, and the world is finding out right now. This guy straight sets in that atmosphere, Lindsay, in that moment. That was it, how he embraced that atmosphere. I mean, he knew walking out there that the crowd was going to be for Popperin against him. He got that first break in the first set and yelled, let out a come on. <laughs> like, you couldn't believe. He didn't care if he was going to get them more behind Popperin. He was going to play his game. Love how he was able to go in there and battle, get through in straight sets serve is unbelievable mm. and how he hits all spots as a lefty you don't know his opponent is he going to come in and serve in volley he's able to do that is he going to rip baseline winners really just a, a fantastic story of, of a player who really didn't have that in his dreams as he said when he was growing up it really hit him later and it really is a great message to everyone out there you don't have to be five or six and spending five six hours on the court it can still happen
all three of you nailed it because you guys all said this college background is going to serve him well. We talk about college tennis as helpful. It's an extra year of seasoning. There's great training. There are all sorts of stability being on a college campus, but also it gives you that vibe for a match like that. He's playing against an Australian player who just got done beating a top 10 seed, Popper did, and he really relished that atmosphere. And there was sort of this mix of joy. I can't believe I'm here. Let's have fun. It's my first trip outside the U.S. He's really sort of mingled joy with intensity. And here he is in the second week of a major. There's a little something from him I think everyone can take away as well, which is just be you. He's just so genuinely himself out there. Lynn's on the commercial break. You were showing us his social media. Yeah. And he's, he's watching the, the Gators play a college tennis match back home. He's <laughs> right. still so genuinely into it there when he's into the round of 16 at the Australian Open. He's just continuing to be the kid that he always has been. He's so happy. He's smiling out there. If he can just continue to stay that and not let you know, all this stuff that's about to come his way get to him, Gosh, yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff Yeah, coming. I mean, if you're going to have a breakthrough, I think in a way for an American kid, it's not the worst thing that it happens in Australia. You don't have the media. You don't have the attention. Nobody's saying, hey, good morning, America needs you at your mid-hound <laughs> hotel. Yeah. Reschedule your hitting. We see at the U.S. Open sometimes it can be very disruptive. If you're going to have a breakthrough, maybe not the worst place to have it. i got to say, though, fans in Indian Wells are going to be ready Big for time, him. Yeah. They, Big time. They'll be waiting and ready. Can't wait for this next match. Ben Shelton, J.J. Wolf, yep. all college tennis, Ohio State, Florida. <laughs> it's like the 2007 BCS national title game. What's going down there? We'll talk about it tomorrow's show. But still to come, Ali Risk was cheated on court and not happy about it. We'll show you what happened next. Welcome back. Here comes Coco Goff. In the doubles, in the singles, and uh, still looking for that first major singles title. Good spirits. But in the doubles, she's going to be interested in our tennis topic today here on TC Live. One of the most controversial moments of the tournament so far involving Sissy Cuz. Sissy and Lo. Talk, talk to me. Uh, Allison Risk Amitrage in doubles. Day five with her partner, yep. Linda Fruvertova. Risk is at the net here. Keep an eye on her. Hits a volley that goes off one of her opponent's legs. Now, Ali says sorry, and the chair umpire calls a hindrance on risk for talking during the point, gives the point to the other team. First problem here, her opponent doesn't admit that she was hit with the ball. Second problem, chair umpire wasn't paying attention to see it. And the third problem, there is no video review to get the call right. It makes a completely different sound than it would if it hit with the racket. Listen in real quick. Hollow sound there. Let's hear from Ali after. That's not the rule, Carolyn. No, no. Yes, sorry. That's not the rule. Yeah. I wouldn't have said no, sorry. I, I, I understand. No, you understand. So no, you have to go by the rule book, Carolyn. Yeah. It okay. was after the point was over. Yeah, she so said, I sorry, said so sorry. The point is ours. But, but the, the umpire has to determine. But what, what the hell is he doing up there then? That's <laughs> ridiculous, Carolyn. No, no, that's okay. ridiculous. Okay. Is he sleeping? Dude, I no, wouldn't say Allison, sorry. Allison, you think, you believe, that. you believe it hit her? It hit her, so I said sorry. So it's my point. Yeah, but he's seen differently. No, that's, no, that makes no sense. Dude, I see it like you don't know. Oh, the, the way you see it. The way you see it. I'm sure you see it that way. That's ridiculous. Pay attention. Dude, that's tennis 101. 
Oh, there's, there's so much to unpack here. I love it all, and I agree with Ali 100%. Now, Risk uh, put this out after that she should have called it on herself, her opponent. The umpire apologized for his incorrect ruling after, which Ali accepted. Uh, poor sportsmanship and cheating happens all the time, especially at the junior level. If you're working on a compelling piece of line calling or VAR tech and need help for funding, scaling, please DM me. I'll, I'll get to you on that, Ali, uh, offline. But, Lindsay, when you saw all this go down, uh, what's your reaction to everything? <laughs> so tough. It, it's one of those things. I mean, if, if the ball hits you, you say it, right? I mean, you're supposed to call a lot of things. It's the honor system out there. A lot of times if you're running for a drop shot and did you get there in time, that can maybe be like, okay, wasn't sure if I got there in time. A ball hitting her flat on the leg is just inexcusable that her opponent, who I'd never heard of before this match, did yeah, not you know. call on herself. <laughs> but it, it's hard, too. I, I love that the umpire did apologize after. Everybody knows Allie is just an amazing person and obviously is in the right if she's fighting that hard. I can't believe he took the point away. The whole thing was a mess. For the record, they, they won the match, so tennis karma did its thing. I, I think, I mean, it's actually good, good arguing. Good way to use Carolyn's first name, really establish that connection. But I think you just, <laughs> what, what if you guys just said to the opponent, listen, Prakash, there are cameras here. People have this on their phone. It's going to go on social media. Just I'm going to give you a chance. Did that ball hit you? Yes or no? Because if you say no, it's going to be on the Internet. Just uh, I, 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 You should have put it on the spot. Absolutely. Right, it would right. have been tough to deny at right. that With the point. The bruise on the leg? Or Look, as you pointed out, there are a bunch of things wrong here. What I'm shocked about is, as well, the umpire sitting there, his, his primary job is to follow the ball. Primary? There's <laughs> 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 electronic line call. Yeah. I know you've got a man. He has one job. A lot yeah. of different stuff. Right, but if right. you're watching this ball... You, you, you're pretty sure you saw it hit, hit the person. And maybe she, he was unsure in the moment, but that's, that's, you, you can't make a mess up like that. And I also got to call out our, our Brett Haber's tweet, who said, you know, for Ali, who's always so you know, gracious and lovely and funny, I kind of like this feisty. I'm not mad at you, Brent. I, I, I kind of agree. Caroline? She, she, Caroline? You, first, she first name, they're to her she supervisor. That's like the silliest rule ever, that they sit courtside and have no ability to get yeah. involved at all. Yeah. Why, why sit there? And she even said, oh, I wasn't watching, even though I was sitting there. <laughs> but, like, the tour supervisor, if you're going to be sitting there courtside, there should be a rule that they can then insert themselves a little bit into the match. I don't know. Absolutely. And by the way, tennis has the best challenge system, electronic line calling in all of sports. It's accurate. It's efficient. How do we not have old school video review? Let's get some old school video review. Simple fix to get this done. Caroline. Caroline. <laughs> Our bet 365 match preview is on the way. A rematch from last year. We'll break down all the big stories of the day. And today we're going off the wall with Wertheim. Big pick coming up. Welcome back. A reminder to play the Match Point Predictor Game from Tennis Channel. Answer questions correctly about what will happen in Melbourne for a chance to win great prizes totaling $4,500. To enter, go to tennis.com slash play or use that QR code on your screen. Play through Sunday, January 22nd. That's tomorrow. There is not a lot of time left. Stephen John. Back with you. We are going off the wall. There's six different questions, John. All right. There's who's going to win on the women's side? Who's going to win on the men's side? How many total games in the final? The question I pose to you, who will be the men's champion this year? You've had three rounds to sort everything out. I get men's, huh? Can, can I hedge? You, you do whatever I you want. Hedge. 
said. I, I mean, there's, there's one guy who's won this event nine times who's going for his 22nd major. Novak Djokovic would be my favorite. How about this, though? A little bit of a hedge. Okay. Whoever wins this match that I think will be coming up between Novak and Holger Rune, that is your champion. I do think, I mean, Novak's hamstring is the big X factor here, but realistically, he was the favorite overwhelmingly so before the event, and uh, certainly... At this stage, there's no reason to think otherwise. But what happened in Paris last year? Yeah, exactly. When Rune beat him. And I think, you know, if there's one person that can really make Novak Djokovic move and that can actually be as equal in the movement department, it's this young player, 15 years younger. I think if I'm Novak, that's a match I'm concerned about. But, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is he doesn't have to be 100% to win this tournament. All right. Either we get a 10-time champion or we get another teenager. Carlos Alcaraz, U.S. Open. Back-to-back, back. Holger Runa in Melbourne. That would be wild. We have much more coming up for you right here on Tennis Channel. Closer to the start of Day 7. Top stories with Martina, Lindsay, and John. Straight ahead. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Time to bring in the Hall of Famer, Martina Navratilova. Uh, Marty. Uh, coming up next, how about this All-American matchup? Jensen Brooksby and Tommy Paul looking to get one step closer to their first major quarterfinal. Welcome back. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow to get you ready for tennis over on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. Eastern. And as always, Tennis Channel's encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anico at 7 a.m. Eastern. Steve, Lindsay, John back at the desk. It is time to bring in the Hall of Famer, Martina Navratilova. Uh, Marty, you, you got you to tell us about that painting behind you. Oh, right. Yeah. So this is part of the, our Grand Slam uh, series of paintings that I did with a friend, uh, artist, uh, and we actually did this one, Eurocrolic is his name, and we did this painting in Australia about you know, 10, 12 years ago. So I thought it was apt to put it behind me, you know, along with the dogs. <laughs> I, like, I like how your studio, your home studio is evolving, Martina. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's fantastic. Beautiful it's artwork evolving. as well. Uh, we got to get to the highlights from Thank yesterday. You. Everybody talking about Andy Murray and what he had to go through to get to this round. Two five-set matches, more than 10 hours on court, Martina. And coming off a match that ended at 4 in the morning, what would he have left for Roberto Bautista Agut? Yeah, he had a lot of heart, a lot of guts, but just not enough, not enough gas in those legs. And Batista Agut is a really nightmare opponent when you're not 100%, as he moves so well, doesn't give you anything. Andy lost that first set pretty quickly, but he comes back in the second, saves off that set point here, and just keeps fighting, keeps fighting, using all the guile that he's got. Uh, gets the crowd going as well, just trying to get any kind of up that he can, and uh, gets the set here, I believe. Where's the tie break? 
again gets the crowd into it, and he's hanging in there with everything he's got, but not enough. RBA just a clean match. Andy Murray, 54 unforced errors over 49 minutes. He was trying to go for it, but missed too much. RBA moving him from side to side, not letting him get settled. And it was just all too much for Andy as he comes in here. It's a deep volley, but there goes the RBA hitting that lob. Clever veteran play from, uh, from Batista Agut. And uh, it was kind of no love lost here with this uh, handshake. But uh, anyway, just too much firepower from Batista Agut, too much steadiness as well. Let's hear from Murray after. I gave everything that I had to this event. Um, so I'm proud of that, and that is really in whatever you're doing, that's all you can do. You can't always control, like, you can't always control the outcome. You can't control how well you're going to play or, you know, the result. Um, but, you know, you can control um, the, the, the effort that you put into it. And I gave everything that I had the last, the last three matches. So I'm very, you know, I'm very proud of, of that. I don't know about you, Lindsay, but seeing Andy fight out there just, like, gives me life. I mean, yeah. It was so fun to watch. Did not come out yeah. in the end, but where he was four years ago, playing the same opponent on the same court, thinking mm -hmm. it was all over, to now, what do you think about him, you know, winning some more titles, potentially not Grand Slams, but in general? Yeah, I mean, who knows what the future has in store for him. I mean, what a heroic tournament it was for him. But what we feared would happen kind of happened in the beginning, that it would just be too much tennis on his body going into this match. His movement was hampered. He looked a little bit stiff. He had this great quote, though, or excuse me, tweet, when he said, yes. I ran into the doctor who told me, what was it, five years ago, I would, never, yeah, I would never play again. I'd, my hip would be okay, but I'd never be able to play pro tennis. I love that. I mean, he has defied all the experts. It is so tough physically to come back, but you can never underestimate him mentally and emotionally, and he showed us here in Melbourne. Cannot underestimate the heart of a champion. He said, I think we dispelled that myth yeah. this week. <laughs> Great that he saw that, Dr. Martina. But the fact that he had to finish so late after his second round match, I really put him in a big disadvantage. I, I tweeted about that. For anybody, this is a massive disadvantage, finishing at 4 o'clock. Maybe you get to go to sleep at 8 o'clock. Anybody would have struggled after that, and particularly Andy playing two five-set matches. I think there's an easy fix to that. Only play one night match in these majors because those are the only times we play this late under the roof. There's no reason to be finishing this late. Just one one singles and then mixed or doubles. Uh, there's got to be a rule. Maybe Or conversely, whatever you start after midnight, that's the last set you play and then you go home and you finish the next day. Because again, this situation only happens in the majors and you have the day off. The players would much rather do that then finish at four and be win the match and be done for the rest of the tournament. You cannot recover from that. You just can't. Kind of hijacked the we first week of the tournament. I mean, this was a great, uh, great, great showing by Andy Murray. And I think the question, it's obviously, it's personal, it's his choice. Is, is this enough? I mean, if you said to him, look, you're, you're probably not going to win an additional major, but you'll come out, you'll win the crowd over, you'll win some five-set matches, you'll test your body, you'll really, you'll win over fans worldwide. Is that enough to sustain him it seems to be. I think he leaves with his head high. A bit disappointing, though, between the time spent on court, 35 years old, the, the metallic hip, the sleep. It had to run out of steam, and it happened against the worst possible opponent.
He says he wants 50 titles. He's got 46. I, I feel like what he showed in the first week. Yeah, got to give yourself goals. Yeah. So that is an attainable goal. Two out of three sets, yeah. much different than these majors. And those won't go till four in the morning either. Yeah. Although exactly. in D.C., <laughs> it was like two or three in the morning a couple of years ago. Uh, all right, let's get to some women's highlights. Lindsay, fourth-ranked Caroline Garcia, the only top 16 seed left in her quarter of the draw. Laura Siegman has fallen out of the top 150, but an upset was brewing. Yeah, Laura Siegman doing Laura Siegman things out here. Just frustrating Garcia to no end, using all her off-speed shots in that first set. And then in the second set, though, I mean, Garcia's fight and her mental toughness has improved more than anything these last few years. And she really locked in when she wasn't playing her best tennis, gave herself an opportunity to get in to this match and shot selection started to pick up a little bit started to get more returns in play and the serve the serve has been such a huge part of her weapon arsenal she was getting free points on that started dictating play and everything changed but this was a fight and she really showed everyone in that locker room she is up to the task here in melbourne Garcia able to come through in three sets. We've got a piece coming up later on TC Live going all access behind the scenes with the French number one fly with Caro into the round of 16. John Belinda Bencic has been flying under the radar, you could say, coming off her seventh career title back in the top 10, but facing the always dangerous Camilla Georgie. Yeah, are we talking Damn. about Bencic enough? No. Uh, <laughs> she has not dropped a set yes, yeah. yes, yesterday against Georgie. She just did what you do. Let her hit a lot of balls. Let Georgie make some mistakes. She's going to hit with incredible power. And she's also going to have some wild misses. And that's essentially what happened. Uh, Bencic doesn't hit the biggest ball. One thing she does do is handle pace very well. There's a nice shot by Bencic. Never been beyond the fourth round of a major outside of the U.S. Open. But she's got a real chance. She has Sabalenka next. And if you're going to prepare for Sabalenka, not a bad uh, prep match in Georgie. A lot of pace, not a lot of gears. New coach for Bencic, and she's looked very good through three rounds. Belinda Bencic has won seven matches in a row back in the fourth round for the first time since 2016. You speak of Arena Sabalenka, also streaking Martina, undefeated this year, playing her former doubles partner, Elisa Mertens. They actually won the Aussie Open title together two years ago. Well, and that doubles has definitely helped Sabalenka. She used to treat the net as, a, as an allergy, but now she's been much more aggressive, improved her game at the net, was going for the big shots. She was at the net 19 times, winning 16 points, only faced three break points. Uh, Mertens, on the other hand, playing too careful. When you play somebody that's that big a hitter, you got to take some chances, and she didn't. Mertens at 12 on four stairs, but loses the match 6-2-6-3. But all, all kudos to Sabalenka, as she just has not been bothered by anybody. Going for those big down-the-line shots early in the rally, serving big, and just not letting Mertens get into, the, into play. But again, Mertens was just a little too careful, and you cannot be careful against a big hitter like Sabalenka at the end, a comfortable 6-2-6-3 win for her. She's dialed in 32 winners. She's now won six straight against Mertens, 7-0 on the season for Arena Sabalenka. So taking a look at the round of 16, Lindsay, what do, what do you like here? Uh, this is a great opportunity for any of these eight players. We have a whole mix of players. We've got veterans, we've got newcomers. 
But that match between Sabalenka and Benchich, what a match that'll be. And we talk about this a lot at the beginning of the year. Andy Roddick said the eyeball test when you get to Australia. Those are two players, Sabalenka and Benchich, that look like they put in an awful lot of work in the offseason. It is no surprise that they are playing so well. One thing I've loved hearing from Sabalenka is her willingness to make changes. Last year it was to the serve and overcoming that mental hurdle, but changing her technique. But how about now at this tournament saying how she's trying to just stay calm and she's not letting out the big roar. She's not getting too excited. She's not getting too down on herself. She's staying even keel. And look at, she's now playing her, some of her best tennis. I love a top player who's not so stubborn. They're not willing to make changes. Can we just discuss that a year ago she was serving underhand through tears because she was so upset by how her serve had degenerated? We've seen athletes in other sports who've had mental blocks, and literally it has cost them their career. I mean, they haven't been able to yeah. continue. She had seven double faults in her first three matches. That puts her in the bottom half of players left in the draw. I don't know how she cleaned this up. I don't know what sort of psychotherapy she went through, but it's worked, and now she's a contender. A lot of it. She said she's been practicing that serve in the offseason Hundreds and hundreds of hours. Martina Bencic, Sabalenka, both come in riding seven match win streaks. How do you see this one playing out? Mm. Something's got to give. And I have to go with Sabalenka. She's got the bigger weapons, bigger arsenal. Maybe not bigger arsenal, but more powerful arsenal. And that will pay off on these courts. It's playing fast enough. The balls are fluffy. She can still hit through the court. She's moving well. And again, playing outside of her comfort zone. She asked for help. She was willing to listen and make those changes. And now she's doing that transition game much better as well. I, I see her winning that match. Uh, that's a championship mindset yep. change right there yep. for Arena Sabalenka. Mm -hmm. One more match to get to from yesterday. How about Novak Djokovic? Has won 23 straight in Melbourne. Hasn't lost to Grigor Dimitrov Lindsay in 10 years. Huh. But he does say he's, he's worried about the leg. Injury's not ideal. And it, he actually was down three set points to Dimitrov in this first set. Yeah, and it took him his fifth set point to win it. And Steve, right after making that volley, there was a long break for an injury timeout again. This is a player who is without one of his biggest weapons, his speed. And he is really managing himself well around the court. Demi uh, Djokovic, he did not overplay in this match. Some balls he didn't run for. If he was set up, he really pulled the trigger. Able to get up two sets to love. And Dimitrov, for the most part, was trying to hit out and make Novak move. But Novak was able to start finding his rhythm. Ends up getting through this in straight sets. But still a lot of question marks for the former number one. He is not 100%. Is he going to get better? Will it be enough? We'll find out in the second week. Like Prakash said, not practicing on the off days either, but still it is the fourth round of a major. Forget this. The 59th time and 15th time here in Australia. Said so he's channeling his inner Jay-Z. 35 is the new 25. I believe it. I mean, I'll take that all day. Uh, so this is what we show you all time when Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, when, when all these guys play. The all-time major title leaders on the men's side. Djokovic looking to tie Rafa for the most at 22 if he wins Martina. Well, he's looking good. Uh, he's made those adjustments to the fact that he can't move the way he normally can. Uh, we'll see if it's going to be good enough. I don't know. The fact that he asked for another injury timeout, not playing at all. The days in between, he's, he's really protecting that uh, that quad uh, and or hamstring. And uh, we'll see. Uh, it's going to get tougher, and it's going to be hard for a 35-year-old body to not deteriorate because of all that stress. We often talk about how there's a, a two major twist uh, in, in the offing. I mean, that's obviously not the case with Nadal and Federer not here. So worst thing, you know, 
status quo for Djokovic, but a big opportunity to tie Rafa with 22. I'm curious about the injury. We've seen some players who are visibly injured, and they basically say, I don't want to talk about it. Hmm. Djokovic has been very open. His post-match press conferences are basically hmm. just medical updates. What do you think about his decision clearly to, to lean into this injury and discuss it? And also, by the way, on court, some of his, his facial expressions yeah. and calling the trainer. And a lot of times, you haven't seen that players will fight through some injuries. He's definitely, as you said, leaning into it. Interesting. I, I don't know if it's just gotten older, no need to fight it anymore. Or I, He was a heavy favorite going in. I'm not sure he's as heavy as a favorite. I mean, he's won here so many times, but he's not 100%. He right. certainly has been playing physically at more like, I'm going to say closer to 50 or 60%. Can it get better? I, I, I don't know, but... Um, you think he's vulnerable? I do. Right. I do. And I didn't think that a week ago. Still a favorite, though. Yeah. Still a favorite, That's, which, I mean, what a feat that would be. Yeah. 35 years old. Not 100%. And could still. Yeah. <laughs> See the favorite. Martina's favorite. Yeah, exactly. still Martina's favorite. That, that's incredible. Uh, coming up next, how about this all-American matchup? Jensen Brooksby and Tommy Paul looking to get one step closer to their first major quarterfinal. Welcome back. Here comes Hubie Hercotch getting ready to play Sebastian Corda in the fourth round. Coming off a couple of five-setters against Sanego and Shapovalov. What does he have in the tank? Is the first player that's walked down this tunnel without being on their phone? Yes. Possible? Or headphones? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's engaged. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Martina battled the Czechs yesterday. 17-year-old Linda Fruvertova playing in just her second Grand Slam, taking on Marketa Vondrosova. Yeah, I picked Vondrosheva to win because, you know what, I did not know enough about Trubertova. I've seen her play, but after watching the special that we did on the two sisters, yeah, Brenda and, and Linda, they are wanted. They have so much desire to be champions. You cannot underestimate that quality. And uh, and, and, and Linda just had too much for Vondrosheva. Comes back in the second set. The veteran check is not quite done yet. And it was a tight match overall. Wondershava, 6 of 13 on break points, but only winning 30% of the points on her second serve. As Fabrizio was, was pretty much dominating the return games. Only missed two returns the whole match. Solid, solid match, but I tell you, this is a player. She, she wants it badly, and uh, when you want it that badly, that overcomes any kind of nerves, I think. Big time stuff for her. What a moment for the 17-year-old. Back to the men. We got a 19-year-old. Volgaruna has cruised through his first two matches, John. Taking on Ugo Umber with the perfect Runa continue. Yeah, speaking of uh, teenagers who want it badly, this is our ninth seed here. And boy, he has looked terrific. Volgaruna lost his feet. He won 15 of the last 16 matches to close out the year. A little bit of a, uh, a slip here in the middle of this match, uh, fortunately. He would be okay, and he would continue on because he has not dropped a set. Lost his first match of the year, and since coming to this tournament, he has really been terrific. He is a slick mover. He's added some wattage to his serve. He had no problems yesterday. Surely, like many of us, he sees Novak Djokovic lurking and wonders if he can take advantage of uh, some of the movement. But Rune... Born within two weeks of Carlos Alcaraz, surely he saw that uh, the other 19-year-old beat him and won the first major. But boy, this major, he has been the story. Uh, very nice win. Nine sets played, nine sets won, and onward Holger goes. Said after, my ankle is good, my wrist was hurting a bit, but the doctor said it was fine. Okay, listen to the doctor. Jensen Brooksby, Lindsay, coming off a huge win against Kasparud. 
Would he get a rude awakening in the form of Tommy Paul? Yeah, and Jensen Brooksby was one player whose, unfortunately, wrist was not okay. Mm -hmm. Really struggling with his left wrist in that match with Tommy Paul. It's a shame when you have such a great tournament and then something happens with your body. It's, it was a little bit tough to watch Brooksby out there against Tommy Paul. At one point in the third, he was breaking down and in tears a little bit. And Tommy Paul just continues his great play. It's been a special tournament for him so far. For Tommy Paul. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about this before. On the one hand, you say it's great that the Americans have this level of camaraderie and they all get along and they have people to go out to dinner with, but also it pushes you. I mean, Tommy Paul is not oblivious to the results we talk about all the time. He knows that Taylor Fritz won Indian Wells, and he knows that his contemporaries are making their moves. He'll be seated at the next major. He's really such a solid, athletic player. There's nothing not to like about Tommy Paul's game, and he advances. He was one of those last four Americans to beat Rock Nadal as well. And in this one early on, you could just tell uh, Brooksby was not 100% Lindsay, and Tommy was. Yeah, and you could tell right off the bat with Brooksby, he was trying to drive his backhand with two hands, but every time he went to the two hands, wasn't getting a lot of pace on it, and it's really one of the best shots in men's tennis when he's able to step in and rip. He started then going to a lot of one-handed slices, obviously not the natural game for him, and what did Tommy Paul do? Just dialed it in, just started playing to the corners, keeping Brooksby out of the middle of the court. He made a lot of returns, and, you know, he's a veteran out there, and he was playing great tennis. He's very confident. It was really a shame, though. When you have such a big win and you're ready to make a move and something happens physically, it is tough to handle. Brooksby fought till the very end. Tough when you don't have your best shot, though. Uh, super difficult, and uh, still a nice run for Jensen Brooksby. He's going to be Davis Cup teammates with Tommy Paul in February. But TP, 36 winners, just 19 unforced errors, won 17 of 21 points at the net. It's a good Martinez stat right there for Tommy Paul. Saved all four break points. Going to make his week two debut down under. Got to love that as we take a look at the round of 16. And this draw is shaping up nicely for Team USA on the bottom half. I mean, you got three opportunities to make a semifinal. Yeah, it's just remarkable. And who had this, right? And here to the draw before the tournament. Two collegiate players are going to face off in the round of 16. Just really remarkable. Now let's see what Demonauer can do to Novak. Can he keep him out there long enough and keep him moving to really challenge that hamstring? Mm -hmm. Which of those uh, three Americans do you think has the best chance to get there? I think Shelton is such a wild card at this point. Temperamentally, he's a wild card. The lefty game makes him a wild card. Keep an eye on him. And again, I mean, if you have these three Americans clustered together and then RBA, Roberto Batista Cruz, is the only seed separating that. 34 years old, a nice solid player, but not a world beater. Really nice opportunity for the American men. And then on the top half, we've got Sebi Corda Martina taking on Hubie Hercotch today. How do you see this one playing out? Ah, well, you know, uh, Hercotch, big favorite. He's been there before, but uh, uh, Seb Corda has really come of age in this tournament. I feel that he's really kept it together physically and emotionally and been tested but came through. So I, I, this is a really toss-up for me, but Gurkash just maybe slightly bigger weapons. If they work, then I think he's got the edge. But I think this could go the distance. This is a five-setter in the making, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, you're always curious. I mean, we keep talking about it. How does a player back up their biggest win? There will be bigger wins for Seb Quarter coming up in the future. But that was a big one and a huge step forward for him the other night in taking out Medvedev. Can he keep up that great play? He's looked different this year. We've talked about it. There's been a lot of pressure on him the last few years. The next great American hope. 
All of a sudden, he's walking the walk. He's playing so well. Comes back beautifully after having match point against Novak in the final, didn't win, and has followed it up beautifully here. I think Sebi's so confident that he's able to get through. Okay. Played uh, in Delray Beach two years ago. Hercotch took that, but like you mentioned, totally different quarter is here. Uh, we've got Yoshi Nishioka and Corinne Hatchinoff. This is a rematch from three years ago at the Aussie Open. The Russian took that one. When I see Hatchinoff play, I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses. Like, this should be a guy that's in the top ten. What do you see? Well, I mean, Nishioka is sort of a, a fun, a streakier player, uh, probably a, a slicker mover. They actually played in D.C. last year, and Nishioka won that one, 7-6, 7-6. This is a nice contrast in styles. It's a nice contrast in temperament. You know, I mean, Hatchinoff beat, beat Francis and reached the semifinals of the previous major, the 2022 U.S. Open. But I think this sort of slick, clever, flashy uh, Japanese speedster, he's beaten Holger Rudolph already this year, hasn't dropped a set this year. You're picking the upset. Pick upset. Wow. Nishioka. Okay. Nishioka. Looking to become Go the lefties. fourth Japanese man <laughs> to reach the quarterfinals here. Yeah. What's that, Martina? Go lefties. Go lefties. <laughs> <laughs> Go lefties. Go lefties. Yeah. Uh, Iga Sviantek, Elena Rybakina, yep. the, the matchup of reigning Grand Slam champions. Rivalry dates back to juniors, Lindsay. Yeah. They, they posted this photo. And actually, so uh, Rybakina beat her in Italy. Iga said she was so stressed because it was being live streamed on the Internet. Uh, I, I feel like way a few more people are going to be watching this one. Yeah. Huh? It, it's, it's actually kind of fun when you grow up with someone in the international junior scene. All of a sudden, your guys are both on the pro tour. These two are such great players. The interesting thing is I think Shiantek's going to feel a little bit of pressure in her service games. She is one of the best returners, but she knows she can't play Rabakina every single time. So will she feel kind of that pressure when she goes up to hit second serve? Rabakina, we know how well she can play when she's hot. We saw it at Wimbledon last year. But I'm curious, Martina, do you think she has the consistency, Elena, to beat Iga? We have not seen it quite yet. I mean, she won Wimbledon, but you don't need to be that consistent to win on the grass. This, this court, uh, I think, favors both players. I think uh, Shiontek's serve can be a bit vulnerable. The second serve, much more attackable than vice versa for Shiontek to attack Rybakina. But once the ball is in play, then it's it's uh, Shiontek's advantage. So I still see Iga coming through in that one. I think she runs down too many balls, and then she also has been bringing a lot of firepower. So I think she'll be matching Rybakina for the most part, other than the serve. Hmm. I like this match so much, and I like this match on this surface under these conditions. And I also think these players don't exist in vacuums. And Iga Svantec knows that Rabakina is a really nice player whose ranking is deceptively low because she didn't get points for winning Wimbledon, who's already proven she can win seven matches at a major. And conversely, Rabakina knows this is a real opportunity, and she hasn't quite gotten her due for that Wimbledon title. Well, you know what? Beating the number one player... That yeah. would do a long way in boosting her profile. I could see Rybakina winning in three. I could see Iga winning love in two. Yeah. Like that, that's why I'm interested in this, because I want to know what's going to happen. So much depends on Rybakina's level. Yeah. She's got to come out playing A-level tennis right off the bat. More match previews coming up here on TC Live as the players are getting ready for round of 16 action. We also have John's stat of the day. What's that going to be today? Uh, American man. I'll leave it at that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back. There is Sebi Corda coming on in, getting ready to play. Hubie Hercotch, I love the new mantra. Zero negative thoughts. Has not had a negative thought all year, Prakash. You like Come that. on now. That's how we live. Right? You heard the New Year's resolution. We did it on the show together. Come on now. <laughs> tell, tell the people again. What's uh-huh. the number two? If, if, if you bring a negative to me, you ain't hearing from me all that's year. Right, that's now right. Now you know why. <laughs> Our best 365 match preview. Stefano Sitsipas, Yannick Sinner. Steph is favored, minus 225. I love Bet365's prop bets with, uh, you know, over-under aces for each. Who are you taking in this one, John? Taking sits of pass one for their five matches. was played a lot less tennis this event and beat him here last year. But look at the – don't those aces seem really low? Yeah. yeah I, I was going to take the over Take the over on both of those yeah, by, like, a lot. So uh, that's where my money is. All right. Uh, a win for Sinner would be his first against the top five player at a Grand Slam. Oh. 0 for 7, Lindsay. Can he do it today? Oh, I don't know. It's, I, I, I'm back. <laughs> your face gave it away. <laughs> no, he can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> I, I like Sitsipas. I like how he's gone through this. There's a lot on his shoulders trying to win a major for the first time. Prakash, you just brought up. He can get to number one. Um, Sinner, those first two sets, didn't love it the other day. Yeah. Uh, I just like the variety also that Sitsipas has. His ability to finish points at net, his ability to change things up, serve and volley, stay back. He's got a few more options than Sinner. Sinner has improved quite a bit the last five or six months. Personally, I just don't think it's going to be enough today. Sinner's got a lot of great things going for him, but let's just backtrack almost a couple of years for Steph. When he lost that final against Novak at the French, two sets to love up. I think it took a bit of a dip, and I think it took him a minute to recover mentally from it. Last year, I think, was huge for him. Started playing some great tennis, so many match wins, one of the tour leaders for that. And now I think his trajectory is back on the right track. And in this next 12 to 18 months, if he can put up that first slam, I think we're looking at a guy who's winning multiple slams. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's not Novak. He's not Rafa, the defending champion. But he's played really, really well. Hasn't dropped a set. I'll give you I mean, this is apropos of nothing. I was just sort of looking up the stats. So Sitsipas is two inches taller than Sinner. You know, 6'3 six, six, versus 6'5. 31 pounds heavier? Can that possibly be right? Sure. Yeah. Heavyweight. Um, heavyweight. Three that's, for Sinner, though? That's like three different weight classes. Shorter? I think so. Oh, okay. I think I'm uh, taller six, than five. Okay. All right. And yeah, 31 We're having two conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like thinking of like Lindsay and Sinner back-to-back. Okay. John's like, yep, yeah, uh, Lindsay's got you. Got you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Legends doubles, yes. by the way, is first up on Rod Labor today. Let's go, boys. Come yeah. on, guys. Brian Bros in the house. They look alike. Bagdadis <laughs> Philippus. That would be a fun one with them. All right, who wins? So fun. I, I, I don't think they care. 31 yeah. <laughs> That's the point. That's the point right there. Brian's with John, that. what's your line? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> Welcome back. Big Benny Schultz in the house. One of four American men into the round of 16 here for the first time since 2004 when it was our friends James Blake, Andy Roddick, Andre Agassi, and Robbie Ginefri. Speaking of stats like that, 
John, what's your stat of the day? You guys see that? 65 in the in live rankings is Shelton Wolf now top 50. That was not the case a year ago. Look at this. Their combined rankings, 779. Shelton, of course, was an undergrad at the University of Florida. Not even playing number one singles. Um, number and three. Wolf, number three. At Great. this time last year. Um, and J.J. Wolf did not qualify. He was outside the top 200. What an opportunity for both of them. And now their combined ranking is about 100. Fortunes can change very quickly in this sport. Two college players who have done just that. Ben Shelton retweeted Tennis Channel's tweet. Is that believe you can do it? Hot shot of the day, Prakash. All right, well, Novak said it. 35 is the new 25, and that's exactly what Andy Murray shows in this hot shot. Batista Good comes in with a little drop shot of post, but Andy Murray chased it down. Brilliant left-hand action. And I think he wanted to go into the crowd and give a little high-five. He's like, you know what? My legs aren't going to get me up there. Did that top shelf? Till I'm 35. <laughs> Marvelous movement, though. What do you think, John? A little, little stutter step there. You like that? I like that was misdirection on purpose. A little no look. Uh, good. Any, we can milk Andy Murray all day long as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Good for him. Big matches today in the round of 16. Can't wait for Iga Sviantek, Elena Rybakina. Coco Golf against Yelena Ostapenko, former major champion. Seb Korda looking for his biggest win, coming off his biggest win. And Jesse Pagula as well. All right, let's talk about some of these matchups. Felix Oje Aliassime, Yuri Lehechka. Lehechka's been playing well. I mean, this is the furthest he's ever been in an event, uh, but FAA looks really good. How do you see it playing out? Well, first couple matches for FAA, not his best tennis, but I think he really stepped it up in that last one, playing much cleaner, four setter to be able to get through. Lehechka did get through Nori in five sets. He's a tricky guy, though, but I'm looking for Felix to, he's got to step it up because this type of tennis that he's playing, certainly not going to get it done to win the entire title. And he's coming in this year thinking he's one of the guys to be able to win a title. So as we talked about in the last match, I think an opportunity to establish himself as one of those contenders. Hatchka, the only player on the men's side, on that side of the draw, who is not seated. And, you know, we, we talk about it with Murray. We talk about sort of, sort of salvaging energy and rationing energy. And, you know, I mean, Felix has spent a lot more time on court than he probably would like to have. He's lost sets in each of his three matches, but he's gotten through them. And I think if he can get back a nice, solid, authoritative performance against, honestly, a player he should be, he's looking really good for week two. I mean, we were just talking about Tsitsipas, and is he going to be able to win a major? He's been very close. He's trying to get to one. When does that start to shift to Felix? You know, do, why don't we expect that same from him? Well, he hasn't gone as far as Steph, but certainly similar ages. The game is there, but he has not been able to be as consistent. He's got the game. We've known that for a couple of years. Interesting to see if he starts to feel the pressure with this draw also. This is what he's playing for now. All these guys now want to make their mark in a major who can rise up at these big moments. Ojeleis, he made the quarterfinals last year. This is the first major for Lehechka, so totally different situation. Coco Golf taking on Yelena Ostapenko. Lindsay, how do you approach a match when you know that your opponent can just take the racket out of your hands? I, I think this is one that Goff is, is going to like quite a bit. Goff can play a couple of different ways, and a lot of players can't do that. She's been more aggressive to start this year, but in this match, I would say back up, make as many balls as you can, and run your opponent. And she can do that. Maybe she'll start off the match trying to out-hit Ostapenko, but I know she has a, a plan B in there. If it's not right, if the ball's going in Ostapenko's strike zone, Goff, more than anyone, can mix it up, get it out of her strike zone. I don't think she'll have a problem because I think she can problem-solve out there, even if Ostapenko's playing great. You hit the nail on the head there, Lindsay. One of the things that we've seen from Coco in these first few tournaments here after that brilliant offseason is 
is the variety. I've loved the way she's using the drop shot to be able to come in behind it. Ostapenko loves to stand and bang away from the baseline. Moving forward and passing off that front foot is not going to be a strength of hers. So perhaps moving side to side, but also up and down yeah. vertically, that's going to get real uncomfortable for the former French champ. Played once before. Coco was only 15. Ostapenko had already won a major. Oh, wait. Coco won that match. You yeah. figure if she can beat Ostapenko when she's a 15-year-old, she ought to do it today. Jesse Pagula taking on another former Roland Garros champion, Barbora Krejcikova. Jesse said, I definitely feel like now I can walk out there and I feel like I'm winning before I step out on the court. When you flip a switch like that, get that confidence, that's something special. It certainly is. Uh, by the way, love to see Barbara playing so well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's taken her a little bit after last year, a couple of stop and starts after winning that French. Um, so beautiful stuff for her. But Coco, uh, Jesse just looks so confident out there, really stepping out there like she's one of the contenders for this title. It could be a tight match because Barbara can actually hit the ball pretty big. But I, I definitely like Justin. Not much of a track record playing each other in singles as a head, but they played a lot in doubles. So they know each other's games. Big opportunity for Jesse. She's the third seed. She's playing like it. She's acting like it. I think she gets through. Yeah, and she's so much more solid, right? And, and Krejcikova, she can play all these different shots. She can come to net. But I don't know, with, with Pagula and the depth that she gets and the consistency that she gets, I think she's just going to be a little too solid. I like her mindset coming into it. It's, uh, she just feels she's number three in the world, and she's playing like it yeah. right now. Expects to get to the semifinals, which would back up her ranking and her seeding. Tomorrow we're going to talk about quarterfinalists. I mean, I love when we get to this, this part of the tournament. It just rolls on. For John, Lindsay, Prakash, and our entire team, I'm Steve. Thanks so much for joining us on TC Live. Back with you 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. You can see Brett and Paul 7 a.m. Eastern for all of our encore coverage. Love it.